look at uh, Matthew chapter 1 to begin, we're going to talk about the virgin birth. We'll see how this works. Those other wreaths might have to come down too. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now when all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name uh, Jesus. It's debated by many whether Jesus was virgin born and particularly whether he was God in the flesh. The virgin birth and the deity of Jesus Christ is not just a peripheral doctrine, but Without it, and the belief of that, and embracing of that, there can be no true Christianity. First John said, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Even the Spirit, that, that every, every, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And so Jesus, naming Jehovah is salvation, Come in the flesh, that Jesus became a man. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard it should come, and even now already it is in the world. And to, so to deny that Jehovah is salvation, to deny that Jesus Christ came and became a man, is to be Antichrist. You can't be saved and not believe Jesus is God. Amen. Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, all those that will not profess and believe and embrace that Jesus is God, they're not saved. Amen. And tonight, that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ came into the world to die for the sins of mankind is to remain lost and under the wrath of God and condemned to hell. So it is absolutely, it does matter what you believe about Christ. And, and uh, 
not ruling out the fact that we must repent of our sins and put our faith in him, but the fact that we have to put our faith in him demands it has to be someone greater than ourselves and greater than humanity that took God in the flesh uh, to pay for our sins. But how can one who is God, remember John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the was the uh, in the beginning was the flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the, the, let me just read it. In John chapter one, the very first verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and so the Bible begins in John saying that the word is God. In John one one says that in verse 14 it says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and beheld his and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth how can jesus christ truly be emmanuel which is being interpreted as god with us matthew 123 they also call his name emmanuel which is being interpreted god with us not the representative of God, not a facsimile of God, but God himself. And how can the infinite, eternal God become finite and temporal? Such a concept seems impossible, yet quite properly it's believed to be the truth and real by millions of people. Perhaps the most amazing aspect of incarnation is that God, who is absolute holy, would reside in a body of human flesh. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's no unprofitable, no not one. And so to even consider how God who created mankind would become a man, would, uh, would take part of flesh. And I know there's two meanings to this next verse. It, they that are the flesh cannot please God, and we know that there's a contrast between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. But the secondary meaning is that, that we cannot, in and of ourselves, there's no human being that can please God in the flesh, yet Jesus came in the flesh. And our human bodies have been formed through many generations of genetic inheritance from Adam. Let's see, our human bodies have been formed through many generations of genetic inheritance from Adam himself. And 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, in Adam all die. And so when we're trying to wrap our minds around the uh, incarnation of Christ, wrap our minds around, well, how much of a human was he and how much of a, of a God was he and, and how did that all, how does that all work out? And, and uh, it's easy sometimes just to say, well, there's a miracle, <laughs> and it was, and walk away from it. But I do think that there's a little bit of, of uh, thinking that we ought to do when we talk about this. 
It's, possi- it's partially answered when we read that his body was not human flesh, but in the likeness of human flesh. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Philippians says of Jesus, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And so, we have to begin to wrap our minds around this word likeness and, and what that's talking about. And surely it's saying that one thing, he wasn't like man, is that he never sinned. In him there's no sin, the Bible tells us. And so that part of him doesn't resemble man. But we find that the Bible also says he was tempted in all points like we are. That part of humanity was there. And so, again, we're asking the question, what is going on here in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? The question is, how did the human side of Christ come about? I can't pronounce this word. Was Mary a hermaphrodite? Hermaphrodite, okay. Hermaphrodites are animals that have both male and female sexual organs. Hermaphrodites also produce both types of sex cells, sperm and the egg ova. This means that they can sometimes breed and produce viable offspring with individuals of either sex. And so it's actually with some animals that are hermaphrodites, they can produce. But... uh, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that Mary somehow was weird in that way. She was a normal virgin in Israel. Look over in uh, Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1. And verse 35. Or 34, the angel speaking to her and about the virgin birth. And then said Mary unto the angel, Matthew 1, 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Well, what is that talking about? Did uh, the Holy Spirit somehow give holy sperm to the egg of Mary and Christ was produced? What's going on in the virgin birth? Well, the Bible tells us in Mark, or talks about angels, but they're deities, they are are holy. And it says that, that angels, neither marry or are given in marriage. 
And Numbers 23, 19 has a specific statement about God, and it says, God is not a man. So, when the Holy Ghost came upon her, it, it could be thought that somehow holiness was given to Mary. But there was no sexual thing of sperm being passed from God to the egg of Mary. So what is happening? What what, uh, really makes Jesus God and holy? Well, the first thing is he's always been God and holy, hasn't he? But when he came to earth and became a man, what is going on here? And so here's, here's the dilemma. How could his body be of flesh, carbon and hydrogen and amino acids and proteins, and that body be received by the normal process of reproduction of the flesh and of his parents without also receiving the genetic inheritance, which is exactly what makes it sinful flesh. David said of himself, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That is, when he talks about sin, that not that his mother, David's mother, committed sexual sin, but when David was born, he inherited sin nature. The nature of man, Job says, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. So what did Jesus receive from Joseph and Mary in being made in the likeness of man? Well, we know definitely he never received anything from Joseph, did he? Are you guys all still awake here? He didn't receive anything from Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus on this wise, when as his mother was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And this sin nature is inherited by Adam and his descendants. Wherefore, by one man sinned into the world, and death by sin, so death passeth on all men, for all that all have sinned. And so we rule out quickly and even before we started, we had ruled out in our minds, most of us, that Joseph had no part. And, and, and we, don't, we won't take time tonight, but the Bible's very plain to make a distinguishing between Joseph and Mary. It doesn't say his mother and his father. It says his mother and Joseph. There's never any indication that he was the son of Joseph. But what exactly did Mary and the Holy Ghost contribute? Did the Holy Ghost impregnate the egg of Mary? And we just read that verse, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which is in thee born, which um, 
I, I hate that here, so we'll work through it. Uh, shall be born of uh, shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. But you see, not only is there a problem of inheriting the sin nature through Adam and the father, there's also inherent physical defects. Ever since the fall, we carry with us defects. For no man is without a defect. In fact, the Bible tells us that the whole world groaneth and travaileth in pain. That the whole world, all of creation, has been affected by the fall. That the world and all the universe, all the outer space, all the world is defective. And the Bible calls for a sacrifice Is without spot or blemish. And though we see and understand that it seems like through the man that the sin nature comes, the fact that we are from defective people, we're defective. To be the uh, to be the sacrifice for sins of the world, Jesus had to be without blemish or spot. And over many generations, the human population has experienced great numbers of genetic mutations, and these defective physical factors have been incorporated into the common genetic pool affecting in some degree every infant. What's that next word? Ever born. Okay, sorry. That is why my children growing up, when they threw a temper tantrum, I could say, uh, well, they've inherited a defect from their mother. But you know that's not true, so I can't say that. Peter tells us we're not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Lamb of God, to be an acceptable sacrifice for the sins of the world, must be without blemish and without spot. The very purpose of the incarnation was that God could become the Savior of men. And remember, even though we know that those animals approved by the priesthood, that these, these could be sacrificed, and they're without blemish and without spot. We know that they still had some blemishes someplace. They weren't, they weren't perfect. 
and we, and we must continue to put into our mind, they were only representative. That the blood of bulls and goats never took away sin, but they were a representative of the Lamb of God to come. And they were to be, to the greatest degree that they could find, without blemish, without spot. But when the perfect Lamb of God came, he is completely without blemish and without spot. To have the egg of Mary be a part of his body would have introduced some blemish into who he is. The requirement is that he, he must be holy and harmless. Undefiled. Separate from sinners. And this would have been absolutely impossible by the normal reproductive process. And so Mary could not have contributed her egg. It comes, her eggs came from a fallen creature. And so something miraculous has to happen. It could only be a, from a mighty miracle. Christ could not be conceived in the same manner as other men, for this would inevitably give him both a sin nature and a physically defective body. If he was of Joseph, he would have inherited through Joseph the sin nature. And he would himself needed to have salvation. If he received the egg from Mary, he would inherit the defects of humanity and would not have been a sacrifice without spot or blemish. And here's what I want you to understand. The miracle was not his birth. Mary went through contractions. Jesus in the womb grew as a normal infant. Everything about his birth was normal. But what was supernatural was his conception. The birth of Christ was natural and normal in every way, including the full period of human gestation in the womb of Mary. In all points, he was made like his brethren, experiencing every aspect of the human life from conception through birth and growth to death. He was true man in every detail except for sin and its physical effects. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So the miracle was not in his birth, but in his conception. And here we still face a mystery. 
Conception is normally the result of a union of two germ cells, the egg from the mother and the seed from the father, each carrying the half of the chromosomes and inheritance, half from father and half from mother. And of course, sharing equally the transmission of the sin nature as well as the other aspects of humanity. Each individual gets exactly half the chromosomes and of the genes from his mother and half from his father. Because of the nature of gene interaction, offspring may resemble one parent more than the other, but the two parents make equal contribution to its inheritance. And the dilemma is answered when we realize that the body of flesh of Jesus came into the world, it was a special creation. I want you to go over to Hebrews chapter 10 there. Uh, it's up on the board, but uh, Hebrews chapter 10. This is a, this is a verse that you sh- in, the, in the next one after that that you should mark on the on something a piece of paper or something. Hebrews ten five. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Note that word prepared. Very interesting word. Very, very interesting word. And it'll answer some questions for us. The verb prepared in this verse is striking. It's the same word in the Greek, katartizo, as used in the next succeeding chapter in Hebrews. And one of the greatest of the, those verses in the Bible describing creation. Look in chapter 11 and verse 3. Through faith, we wonder how this world was created. People, even the evolutionists, all they can do is go back and say, well, matter has always been. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That's known as ex nihilo, meaning God made it all out of nothing. That God made something out of nothing. And this word framed here is the exact same word that we find prepared. It's just translated different into the English. And so when I said it was framed, we have God creating something that never existed before and bringing it all of what we see and know to be his creation. And so when it says he prepared him, it's ex nihilo. What went in to the womb of Mary had never existed before. God did not take any material that existed in this world 
And in this deity come into Jesus in humanity, come into Mary in humanity. What I'm saying is, it was a miracle of spatial creation. Not something from Adam, not something from Mary, but a miraculous uh, creation of the humanity of God. And he was all God. And he was all holy. And he was without any defect. And I say, what a wonderful plan God did for me. The preparation of Christ's body by God was the same process as the framing of the worlds by God. As the latter was created, Ex nihilo, out of things which do appear, so much have been the former, so must have been the former. Thus the body of Christ was prepared by the great creator. The perfect Christ's body by the God was the same process as the framing of the worlds by God. And the latter was ex nihilo. Thus the body of Christ was prepared by the great creator with no dependence upon prior material. It was made in total perfection ready to receive him as its occupant in that perfect body which would one day be made sin and would bear our sins on the tree. He would dwell forever after his resurrection and glorification. And so, <laughs> imagine this. It was a spatial creation. It was a wonderful creation. It was a sinless creation. And he allowed it to be corrupted and receiving my sin upon himself. The summary. Therefore, even though he was nurtured in Mary's womb for nine months and born without her ever knowing a man, it was also necessary for all this to have been preceded by the supernatural intervention to prevent his receiving any actual genetic inheritance through Mary. The body growing in Mary's womb must have been spatially created in full perfection and placed there by the Holy Spirit in order for it to be free of inherent sin and its damage. Christ would still be made of the seed of David according to the flesh, 
Romans 1.3, because his body was nurtured and born of Mary, who was herself of the seed of David. He would still be the son of man, sharing the universal human experience from conception to death, except for sin. He is truly the seed of the woman. His body formed neither the seed of the man nor the egg of the woman, but grown from a unique seed planted in the woman body by God himself. Another verse is in Hebrews 11.3 when it talks about Melchizedek and how Melchizedek had no lineage. And he said that he was made like the Son of God was made without father or mother. Mary incubated him Mary provided for him, but there was no genetic material that came from Mary that made Jesus Christ. He was God, and he became man by a spatial, spatial frame, ex nihilo. So what's the point? <coughs> well, know that we're not redeemed by silver or gold, 1 Peter 1, but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. What's the point besides just being interesting or possibly new information? The point is that God had a wonderful plan of redemption. The point is miracles happened in the conception of Christ. The point is the plan of redemption was only something that God could do. And it humbles me. It humbles me to know that that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. And so as we approach this season, let's remember the great framing of the Son of God into the womb of Mary without spot or blemish. A plan devised in heaven so we could live with this God in the flesh forever. Let's pray. Father, as I studied this again today and thought about the fact that I can get 
cranked up about discovering new truths in the Bible. And uh, and liking to immerse myself into that. But Lord, the reason came flooding over my soul today. Lord, all I can do is respond as the angels did Glory to God in the highest. All glory belongs to you. Lord, your plan for me is marvelous and wonderful. Help me, Lord, to remember what I was, what you saved me from, and what it took for you to devise that plan and what it took for Christ, the Holy One, to pay for those sins. Thank you again, Lord, for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Brother Jordan.